Welcome to Volunteer Plain Talk Podcast, the podcast for today's leaders of volunteers. Your host is me, Meridian Swift. Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. So glad you're with us today. My guest is Karina Sadler. Karina is the Volunteer Resources Supervisor at the city of Plano, Texas. Now I have to tell you this, Karina and I actually recorded this interview right before COVID. And so we kind of decided to put it on hold for a while because so much was going on in the volunteer management sector. And we both agreed that now's the time to bring it out. And you know what? I actually think this is a better time to hear Karina's message than it was when we originally recorded. I know you will find it valuable you will find it inspirational, and you will find some actionable things that you can take away and utilize not only for your own volunteer program, but for you and your personal development. Karina's message is inspiring, and it's lifting us up just when we need it. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. It is my distinct honor to introduce our guest to you, the Volunteer Resources Supervisor at the City of Plano, Texas, Karina Sadler. Karina, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for being here. We truly appreciate it. I appreciate the invitation. I really wanted to talk to Karina about A lot of different things with volunteer managers, and one thing that Karina is passionate about is developing leadership skills and taking her volunteer management skills to the next level. Karina, you recently took part in an ethical leadership training program. Can you tell us a little bit about it and why you think it's important for volunteer managers to take this type of training? Definitely. So uh, I follow the independent sector pretty closely when, you know, they have such great content and a lot of it is very relevant to volunteer engagement professionals. So they had a new ethical leadership course, which was an online uh, three week program, really immersive. They use so many different types of media. So it wasn't just a webinar. Um, so I signed up for that. Um, with the participants on the program, I think I was the only volunteer engagement professional reading through the responses from across the nation. So it was really unique experience. And I, I gravitate towards different types of training to enhance my skill set as a volunteer manager. So I think sometimes new volunteer managers may think they need to get really siloed into these trainings which depending on your region just may not be available. There may not be volunteer management specific professional development in your area. Unfortunately, it's it's not everywhere. So if you're in a region that does not offer those opportunities, I think looking outside the box and joining in with other roles on professional development is really important. Now, I don't want to discount 
volunteer management trainings that are available, I always encourage new volunteer managers to contact me for guidance or for resources to do those. But when those run out, I feel like the, the opportunity is there for uh, training in leadership, definitely ethical decision-making. Um, risk management training is, is super important and I don't think is too utilized in our sector right now. Um, some of those mediation trainings, uh, marketing, conflict resolution. I mean, these are trainings that are going to have people in them from lots of different sectors, but I feel like what we have to say as professionals is very relevant to the conversation because we're bringing together so many pieces uh, and we're making them work efficiently to get the mission of our organization, you know, through with through volunteerism. We are learning from experts all over different sectors. And I feel like if leadership within our organizations that have professional volunteer managers understand the skill sets, they'll be more likely to say yes to these training opportunities to be willing to let their volunteer coordinator leave campus to attend a marketing certificate program or an, a risk management webinar or do something like that if they understand how it ties into this dynamic position. And I feel like these job descriptions should be updated for 2020. They should reflect the skills and the, you know, all the best practices that were functioning and if your job description is 25 years old, it's not going to show that. For a lot of volunteer managers, it's going to mean advocating for your job description. Now, have you found any particular ways in which you show that this is con completely relevant and completely beneficial to the programs? So when we have an annual review or an annual opportunity to discuss what's happening in the volunteer program. I use different scenarios that I've experienced in that year, kind of as case studies, situations that are going on. And I talk about how I handled those to the best of my skill set and ability. But if it could have been handled better or if there could have been more tools at my disposal or knowledge I could apply or resources that definitely needs to be brought up because chances are when we have these cyclical programs, it's going to happen again. And there will be, there'll be new situations that we need to, to be tasked to handle on behalf of our organization. And we want to do those really well. So I use lots of examples. I try to remember what's going on you know, from month to month and these situations that have occurred so that I can kind of track those outcomes. Well, we take so much feedback from the community sometimes in our positions, and I feel like people are more apt to tell us honestly how they're feeling about our organizations versus telling our leadership. So we are going to hear sometimes critical feedback of why aren't you engaging me as a volunteer, or why am I having such a difficult time being successful in my role? And we take that feedback, and it's up to us to do something with it. And I feel like if we are developed and we have this skill sets to have these conversations and to be able and comfortable to take action on them, it's really going to grow our programs. You are very passionate about personal development for volunteer managers. So I watch you on LinkedIn and on other social media sites, and you have this wonderful way of not only 
advocating for what your volunteers are doing, but you you inject a little bit of whimsy, a little bit of humor, a little bit of trivia, but you also inject your personal growth and development as a volunteer manager. I appreciate your kind feedback. That That's great to hear. When we post things online, sometimes we have no idea who's on the other side and who's scrolling through and reading some of our content. But I made a very thoughtful decision at one point to use my social media channels to tell my professional story. And that's not a fit for everyone. But for me, I really feel so passionately about volunteer engagement that I wanted people to understand what that is. So when I have colleagues in other sectors They've never interacted with the volunteer professional before. They have no idea what we do day to day or that we even have a field or there is a sector for us. So through my posts, I'm constantly just sharing in real time the work that I do. And sometimes that's reflective of our amazing volunteers. Sometimes that's sharing stories about my staff members who lead volunteers but are not volunteer engagement professionals. Other times, it's just something happening in our community that's really dynamic. And I feel like we should we should be celebrating what we do. If this is your career, if you are so passionate about what you do, there's no reason not to share that with, with the public. Um, LinkedIn, I have so many people that are connected with me on LinkedIn that are not in this field at all, but they want to see content that lifts them up, that is positive, and that feels, you know, makes them feel good about what's going on in my in my region. So at the city of Polina, we we're about 286,000 population. So there's a lot happening here. And, my, you know, mine is just a small piece of the story. But when I'm posting content, I want people to be able to understand I'm not always asking for volunteers. So I make it really evident that you know, that call to action is not on every single one of my posts because that's going to create people just to keep scrolling. If they always think, oh, she's always asking for volunteers, I can't do that. But instead, I can educate them about our field or about my organization, and I can make them feel good reading a post that's talking about engagement. Your posts are even better at recruiting why? Because I look at your post and I see passion. Do I want to be part of that? You bet I want to be part of that. So what you're doing is actually non-recruiting, but recruiting in a better way. Can can you tell us a little bit about one of your latest posts where you talked about what you learned being at the city of Plano? Sure. Um, so I'm glad you enjoyed that post. I worked on it for a little while. So I, re- I celebrated my 12th a year working at the city of Plano in the volunteers in Plano program. So we're a department of the city and I didn't want to make it so exclusive to volunteer engagement professionals as far as, you know, the love for my position and all that, because I don't want to alienate people that just don't speak that language. They're not really sure. Still, I mean, you know, I get new people that are coming on and that are learning about, you know, what we do at the volunteer program. So I really, I did a top 12 list of things that I've learned and it was a satire and I just kind of made it, a little specific to Plano, but also I have other municipalities that follow and they, they get it when we talk about different departments like the libraries or the animal shelter. Um, and then I included a little bit of, of course, my love for my position and why I'm, I'm so lucky to be part of this team because it includes all the different departments that utilize volunteers and a lot of people to capture that big picture of so many volunteers, almost 10,000 a year that are working under our professional staff. 
uh, I like to make them laugh and have a good, a good joke. So I think it worked out really well. I got a lot of great comments and, and feedback and likes on that post, um, which just brings more, more awareness to, to my organization and hopefully encouraging other people to have a good time and talk about their professional life lightheartedly because it makes people feel connected. Uh, makes them feel good. How can we talk about this as being a way to elevate the volunteer programs and initiatives when we advocate for ourselves professionally? I mean, I, I think you said it right there. I mean, it is advocacy. It is professional advocacy for our field and for having professional roles created in organizations for volunteer engagement professionals. Not every organization has that, that, that even uses volunteers which is kind of crazy. So you would think that these job descriptions and these roles would be, you know, on the top of the list, they'd be at the leadership table. They would be an integral part of, of organizational functions, but sometimes they're not. And I feel like when we showcase what we do, when we are lucky to be in a position where we have leadership and we have decision-making abilities, and we are really able to be leaders of volunteers, the more we can show that we may help the next volunteer manager. We may influence the next organization to look at how they are handling their volunteer program and trying to, you know, involve best practices and hire a very skilled professional. When you are hiring for these positions, there should be a lot of thought. It should be a competitive process. The job description should be very deep with needed skills and education and if we show this, if we advocate for what we're doing and when we're doing it really well, I think it can only ripple out and, and give more impact to these this profession out into the world. Exactly. And you and I have talked a little bit about the in-case scenario. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Another reason they should be compiling a list of their accomplishments and their trainings and their skills. For sure. So when you're creating content, especially on social media, content that is that is public, you know, sometimes you're you're asking for it when you're just putting it out there. And I've been fortunate. I've, I've only had a couple of times where there was anything negative associated with my content. But those are those are times where I'm posting when I'm feeling great. Things are going really well. I have content to share. It's going to be very positive. Now, I know that it may not last forever and it may not be everyone's situation. So when you are you, when you're in a rough spot and I see organizations that unfortunately have layoffs and sometimes the volunteer department is targeted and, and those, those professionals lose their positions. That is definitely not the time to, to try to recoup your content, find your everything that you've done and that you've been so passionate about because you're really not in the best mindset. The content that you write at that time is not going to feel organic because you're, you're struggling and you're wondering what you're going to do next. And you're trying to remember all these people that you've met and where you've been. And that's not, that's not the time. So really, even if you feel great in your organization, you should always be bringing your foundation with you, all the work that you've done, tracking it and showing it. And that becomes your content. So what I put out is, is owned by me. So I have control over that and I can keep it and it will travel with me wherever I go. And I wish more, more engagement professionals would be able to do that because it can really help them if they have this great 
you know, catalog of all the things that they've done for their volunteers and their staff, um, places that they've gone and presentations they've given, because that, that shows those moments when they were at their best and they were the verbiage that they've written and the comments that come with it. Um, it can really be there in that time when they're going to need support the most as they're looking for their next opportunity. Even if you don't look for another job, you can use it to gain a promotion or to advocate to get more resources. Look at all we've accomplished, I've accomplished as the leader. Sometimes maybe you could just look at it when you're feeling low and things aren't going your way. Yes. On those days when you have to fire a volunteer or a corporate group cancels and you had put in so much work and you have those moments, yes, going back to your own content, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I talk about self-promotion when I meet with other volunteer groups all the time. Um, and there's, there's no shame in my game on this. I really feel like why don't we celebrate each other enough? And if I see other professionals sharing the great projects that they're accomplishing or the new volunteer groups they're bringing on, I celebrate that with them because there is no other explanation for the work of volunteers and volunteer managers than these stories. And storytelling online is really important right now. I think that's a lot of, you know, content marketing talks about storytelling and telling our own story. It can be very personal and some people are not comfortable with that, but maybe engaging with your organization's story or supporting a colleague's content or story that they're talking about um, is always great. And I think our organizations love nothing more than positive content about their services and what they're providing to the community. And I feel like the community also wants to see this content online. You know, they're sifting through a lot, um, but people want that. They want to know what's happening. In their right in their backyard. And if it's you and you're doing something great, they want to read about it. Now, you have an interesting way of garnering some staff buy-in. You had a report that you put out. Can you tell us what your page four of your report, what did that entail that other volunteer managers may adopt in their own situation? So interacting with staff and volunteers in my type of position, I am kind of the central hub for volunteerism for my municipality. So I engage staff in the creation of volunteer positions, and then we recruit volunteers to fill those. And so our, our amazing staff here at the city of Plano is charged with the day-to-day management of those volunteers and ensuring that um, all these projects are completed or these services are filled every day and that they're done safely. So part of my interaction with, with my team, uh, one of it is education. So we, my uh, colleague Rebecca and I perform um, trainings throughout the year for paid staff on volunteer engagement. So just tips and tricks and things to make them feel more comfortable. We survey them to find out what do they want to learn, and then we initiate those trainings for them. They're quick and they're short. They fit into their work day, and then they feel more prepared and, and excited to, to manage volunteers. So I do an annual report. We do an annual report every year. It's still an old-school four-page printed and online report, but it's, it works for me. Um, and I make sure on the on the fourth page of our report, it's dedicated to staff because staff in my situation is is my number one customer without their involvement in the volunteer program and their support of our positions. We could not operate with almost 10,000 volunteers a year. So we give an award 
uh, every year to a staff member who is typically not a uh, volunteer coordinator by title, um, but someone who has gone above and beyond to support their volunteers in their in their department. Um, and then we also highlight if our staff are able to give back and volunteer either uh, through team building opportunities or in their leisure time off work, if they're giving back. We want to make sure that we hear about that and that we recognize them as as their own set of volunteers that are giving back to our Plano community. And then we highlight any giving opportunities that we facilitate. We do a coat drive. We do an Adopt an Angel program. So we have nonprofit partners that our, our staff learn about and, and become aware of through these programs. And we make sure we include that, that staff who are not able to volunteer in their off time or did not win an award, they may have contributed to one of these other giving opportunities to where they're impacting our community through a donation of a coat or, or buying toys for children or, or a senior. So we, we want to capture that information and our relationships with staff is always like, let us know, tell us what's your story, what's going on in your area so that we, we can spread that and we can make sure to include that in our report that gets read by lots of different people in the community. And when they see our staff involvement, that's just extra icing on the cake to show that, you know, the giving spirit of our, uh, our team. I love that because it's easy to, for volunteer managers to fall into the trap of the us versus them mentality. But, but you're saying that we're all in this together and we need to also show staff's involvement and especially their successes when working with volunteers or volunteering themselves. And by that, we create more buy-in from staff and more wanting to utilize volunteers and manage volunteers successfully. And sometimes we hire volunteers. Uh, it's happened over the years. And why would I want to treat them any differently when they become a staff member than when they become when they were a volunteer? I think this level of appreciation and recognition, if you if you have a plan around that, you should definitely include staff. Um, Karina, one of the things that you're passionate about, I believe, is to engage in local volunteer manager groups, whether that be a, a peer group meeting or, in your case, Adovia and the Gov group. So can you tell us a little bit about what personal benefits that you feel are there for you in participating in your local Dovia? And for those who don't know, Dovias are basically uh, directors of volunteers in agency uh, groups and organizations. So when I'm reading online, I'm part of different uh, volunteer engagement forums where volunteer managers get together and, and post questions. So often when I see a new question come up, one of my first thoughts is, I wonder if they're going to their Dovia meeting. I wonder if they know that there's a Dovia near them. And um, Energize has a great list that you can search by state to do that. I feel like the in-person development, the in-person networking is so important. You can get a lot online and you can post questions and you can get feedback, but it, it will only make you feel so comfortable to a point where you really need someone face-to-face -to, -face to, to interact with and to learn from. And whether you call it Adovia or you call it something else, it's just a group of volunteer volunteer managers getting together to support and to learn and to network and hopefully solve problems together, which would be ideal. The collaboration piece of, of moment, you know, building momentum by, by harnessing these, these organizations together. 
And so I feel like new volunteer managers need to learn about Dovias. And I feel like those that are staying in the field really need to be supporting these organizations. And not everyone thinks that they can be on the board or they have the skill set or knowledge to contribute, but you can. Uh, you know, a volunteer manager that's been there for 20 years or six months has resources to give, has talent to give. And I feel like if we support these new Dovias um, as they come online, hopefully, or supporting our, our veteran Dovias, it can only continue supporting new people. And that's what we need. We need new volunteer managers in the field to stay. And we need our existing volunteer managers to be celebrated and motivated to keep going. And these boards, these leadership teams on these groups are working so hard and they're doing it as volunteers. Nobody's getting paid for this, of course. And they are putting in extra hours because they they believe in it. And the more memberships they get and the more people that show up to their professional development workshop or their conference, it's really a testament to why we need each other. And I get calls sometimes from other groups who uh, or other volunteer managers that are, you know, in an area where there's no Dovia. And my question is, can you start one? Can you get a small group together? Because if there is a need in your area for you, what do you think that is for your next door organization? I mean, they have people that, that could benefit from getting together. So that's what my colleague Rebecca and I did for specifically government and municipality volunteer managers. We decided we weren't seeing them at these Dovia meetings as much, um, but we knew they existed. So we created our Gov group, which is uh, specifically for uh, volunteer administrators in government, and we meet quarterly. And because of these groups, I've had the opportunity to join the committee for the Texas Volunteer Management Conference, which is an annual conference. And it w- none of this would have happened if I wasn't connected to these professional organizations. And can you tell us when you and Rebecca thought to yourselves, you know, we need a a group for government volunteer managers. What was the very first step that you took in order to see this come to fruition? So I've always had a contact list. I'm very big into networking, into remembering who I've met, into utilizing kind of like I call it flexing my network. So I've had it. I had a list of people that I knew kind of that would reach out here and there, but I really consolidated that list and I asked for Rebecca's list and we really wanted to see, okay, how many people do we actually know that are in government that do this work? And the list was actually a pretty good size. So that told me that there ha- there is a need there. Obviously people need to get together. And then when you work in government, there's not always someone else that understands this function within government and can really relate and share best practices and and be there when you need to talk about a difficult situation. Um, And when we put the call out through email to this, this list, um, the responses were amazing. People did want to get together and um, our, our meetings have been going really well. And I think a lot of information is being shared. And now we're presenting at this Texas conference as a panel uh, for municipalities to talk just about engagement in local government and how nonprofits can break into government and create some really dynamic partnerships. If you have a, a distinct niche within volunteer management, go out and find others or look at your contact list, as Karina says, and see who else might want to get together and discuss the specifics to what you are doing. I found that 
volunteer management is just so encompassing. There's so much to it that you could whittle it down into little subsectors very easily. And I think that's kind of what you and Rebecca have done and successfully. Animal shelters typically have groups. Hospitals mm-hmm. have groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping there's museum groups or zoos. Um, it just depends on your region. But I feel like participating in those or joining, maybe it's not a volunteer engagement group if you don't have access to that. But if it's another professional group, if you're the only volunteer manager there, so what? Go in, talk about what you do, talk about the great impact that you have, and join. Join that group as a representative for our field. I remember joining a group as the only volunteer manager and learning a great deal from the people who were not in my sector, but learning a great deal from them that I didn't learn from my own staff around me and being able to apply that when I went back to my job. Because I think in groups, you'll get a little more free, honest conversation flowing. Yes. Usually it's, you know, what you say at that meeting stays in that meeting or you need to say that at the beginning before you start. Um, but it's always a great it's a great opportunity to to be around other people and to learn. And I know in volunteer engagement, we're so willing to share, give our applications, give our handbooks. Somebody needs to do a survey. People are sending them copies of their surveys. We are we are so free flowing with our information because we've all been there when you're handed a volunteer program or you get hired uh, and you're not quite the volunteer manager you, you'd like to be yet, but now you're tasked with redoing all of these things for the program. Um, so not reinventing the wheel is something I think we say a lot in, in this field um, and asking for support um, because why, why spend so much time redoing some of these things if there's, there's excellent people out there that are willing to share and guide and I think connecting with these associations or starting one is a great way to harness harness all this all these great information that's out there. Karina, I've truly enjoyed and and thank you so much for speaking with us today. You have some absolutely wonderful and actionable advice that volunteer managers can adopt to their own situations, get get a hold of and start right with today. So I'd love to invite you back at another date and we'll talk, we'll tackle another subject. Are there final thoughts you would like to give any volunteer manager out there who's listening right now? Well, I don't want to forget to mention that I am a certified volunteer administrator, the C, the CCBA program. Um, I have been a CBA for seven years and it definitely was part of my next level of my career in volunteer engagement. So I do want to give them a shout out for CVA. I'm also on a committee for Alive, which is the Association of Leaders in Volunteer Engagement. So when I talked about um, professionals that maybe have maybe a dead zone in their region, there's just not a lot of content for them to go to or to learn from. Alive is a national association. They do a lot of webinars. That's a great place to start. Uh, looking for resources and things you can do online. So I definitely want to give Alive a shout out. But, you know, I talk to volunteer managers all the time from all different sectors and doing all different things. And I just want to say that the work you are doing is important. The positions we have are professional positions and we should treat them as such. And professional development is so important. And if you have trouble talking to your leadership about that. Utilizing your dovias can be a, a real strength from, from experiences other people have had. Um, and I encourage you to keep going. 
um, and to share your story and your success. And don't do not be ashamed to do a great job at what you do and to be passionate about your volunteers and your organization. And I hope to connect with you in the future. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate your being with us today. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. Big thank you to Alternate Timelines for the use of their music. For more volunteer management talk, or if you just want to reach out to me, please visit my website, volunteerplanetalk.com, or you can catch me at Meridian Swift on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Meridian Swift. Thank you and bye-bye.